0: Show everybody, you're listening to the Radical Real Estate Podcast with Kuz and Kale. I'm Carl Kuzer with Lawyers Title,
1: and I'm Kale Thomas with Elite Properties Direct. Carl, how you doing? Doing great, Kale. How you doing, buddy? Good. It's been a while. It has been with episode four of our podcast. Not to be confused with Star Wars, or to be confused with Star Wars, if it <laughs> helps. Uh, hey, for those of you out there that might be watching our behind the scenes podcast video if you would go ahead like love share comment this post that would be great we're really trying to drive more people to actually check out the podcast and which is available on itunes yes they let us on itunes yeah i don't know how but i did you know what would be fun what's that have a giveaway wouldn't that be fun uh well as long as it's sb 133 compliant i'm gonna give it away beautiful because i don't
0: have restrictions
1: yeah as I i'm not a title rep <laughs> so um, we're going to give away a, f- a $10 Amazon gift card for those of you that comment on the podcast That's on Facebook. That's genius. Does that make sense? Yeah. Comment on our Facebook live post, and we'll put you in a drawing, and someone's going to get 10 bucks on Amazon. Beautiful thing. You can get something Chinese in plastic. Who says there's no such thing as a free lunch? Or a free plastic thing on Facebook. I love Amazon plastic things, by the way. Speaking
0: of Amazon, real quick, before we get started, did you hear on the news today about the new store that opened in Seattle, Amazon Go? No cashiers, nobody working there. You have the Amazon Go app, and it's kind of like a turnstile, like you're going into the subway, say in New York or London or something like that. You scan it, the turnstile lets you in, and then there's cameras and everything. Your credit card is registered with the app. Like kinda like the, the, the bars in the mini bars in the hotels. It's weighted. So You know about mini bars and hotels, don't you? Well, maybe back long time ago. Well,
1: <laughs> back, diet, like a, diet, back like a week ago when di- you were Diet Cokes
0: that. and M and Ms. Come right. on now. Anyways, um, you pick something off, you grab it, you put it in a bag, or if you go in for one thing, you pick it up, you leave. No nobody to hassle with, you're in, you're out. Mm. I saw some videos on it, it is the coolest thing. So a- Amazon
1: taking it up another level. Wow, interesting. Pretty cool. I have to admit, I kind of like when I go in shops now and I can just order on a kiosk and then pick up my stuff. Is that cool. bad? No. You just, Does that make me antisocial? No, it just makes you busy. I'm a grumpy old man. You're in a hurry to get out and get, get on with your day. All right. So um, why are we having this podcast? What the heck is this thing? So it's really for us to discuss things that may be coming up in the housing market. So this is for... Homeowners, but it's for realtors, it's for industry professionals, it's for anyone that really has an out interest in the housing market, and really we're just starting a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Investors,
0: home buyers, people that want a second home, uh, industry professionals, you know, we're on the gamut, you know, from escrow to home warranty to uh new home sales even
1: because we're gonna touch on things that deal with that as well. Awesome. All right. Okay, so We want to hear from the general audience as well. If there is anything that you want to hear about in a future show or if you comment on early enough, maybe we can um, squeeze it into this show. But again, please like, love, share, comment on this post. We are giving away a $10 Amazon gift card and by random draw for those who comment, yes.
0: And don't we have an email address? They can uh, send us suggestions and
1: ideas for future shows, things like that? They sure can. And that email address is RadicalRealEstatePodcast at gmail.com. Again, RadicalRealEstatePodcast at gmail.com. Uh, should we start off with the IYR and yep, see what's yep, going on? We always do. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I, do you give a
0: damn? I, I do. and But... I think most people won't give a damn until they know what the IYR stands for and what it means. So
1: So the IYR is essentially the best thing we can come up with to provide a chart around the general housing industry. So it's offered by iShares, uh, Dow Jones US real estate ETF is what it is. It just means you could trade it like a stock. And you're really just kind of betting on the performance of the housing market. But not, not just housing, I should back up. It's real estate. So real it's, estate. It's commercial real estate. It's hotels. It's um, single-family residence homes. It's kind of everything lumped together. But at least it gives us an indication of, like, how it's going. Are yeah, we crashing? I mean, are we ripping to the high side? What are we doing? Well, even though you're, you're throwing commercial in there, I've always been told that commercial
0: real estate – Lags the residential sector by about six months to a year, depending on the market, so even though it's lumped in there, the overall condition of real estate is reflected in a numerical statistical uh, value set right so it's kind of like a snapshot at a glance how well is the real estate market as a whole doing with the understanding that commercials in there and that one
1: residential is a is a leading indicator of the other so so If I'm looking at the chart, and you guys could follow along too. um, If you're listening to a podcast, there's nothing to look at. And uh, for those of you on Facebook, you can just see us behind the scenes with these silly microphones. But if you're on, say, Yahoo Finance and you want to type in IYR, you can look at the chart or the line chart, bar chart, whatever. But at least it gives you an idea of where, where real estate is headed and has been in the recent past. Something just quick notes that are interesting to me is it seems to be channeling up. Like we're going up and um, we kind of go through highs and lows. There you go. But we are channeling up that kind of green channel there if you're looking on, on Facebook. But we are headed in the upward direction. It just seems kind of like a healthy market to me. Like we have small, small, intermittent periods where we go up and and corrections down but overall the trend is trending up. So yeah, the overall trajectory is, is higher up. highs higher lows.
0: And we, we don't want to get too high too quick and burn out. And I think that's kind of where what happened in the run up in 0506. We've talked about that in podcasts past.
1: Right. And I thought Gene Wunderlich had a really good comment when he spoke last week at our event and he said, "Look, if the housing market's going up 20, 30, 40% a year, you can't really sustain that, but if you're going up seven, eight percent a year, that's healthy, and Absolutely. we and real estate is an upward trending vehicle over time. So single digit growth, good, and that's what we've seen for the last several years. And so, yeah, ever since you introduced
0: this IYR and everything, I've read about it is everything just speaks to positive upward trends, slow but steady, and uh, nothing to be alarmed about. You got your candlesticks, I guess that's the term in. The stock market.
1: Yes, sir. That's a candlestick. You're looking at right
0: there. (laughs) You, 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 and your uh, your day trading, uh, you know, prowess. You know, I can't compare. So wow, yeah, it's it's good at it. But no, but everything that I've read ever since you introduced me to this, you know, six months ago, and uh, watching this, I have it on my phone and everything, is that slow, steady, consistent, sustainable growth.
1: Excellent. Hey, Toby Love, I see you on Facebook. Can you hear us in the microphones and and hear samples like Mr. Miyagi? Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. If you'd let me know, that would be helpful. (laughs) Because Mr. Miyagi is really important to me. He is important. Uh, Again, you can reach us, email us at radicalrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Please like, love, share, or comment on this Facebook live post if you happen to be on there. Uh, for those of you that are watching on Facebook Live, we are giving away a $10 gift card by random draw. For those that comment, you have to comment. you got to say something. Yeah, enter to win. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this show. Government hit- shutdown. All right. It's over, almost.
0: It's over, sort of. Yeah, kind of. Uh, if you guys haven't been following the news today, um, the Senate voted earlier to uh, end the shutdown, passed a, what, a three-week continuing resolution or whatever that is. Basically, kicked the can down the road till February eighth, and the House just passed it right around three our time, and so now it goes to the President's desk, and it'll effectively be over. But for our purposes, Kale, we talked about this before we started the show. What what does it mean to real estate? And the one thing that I thought of most obviously was anything that's FHA or VA. If you were going to close this week, yeah, you're probably going to see a delay in your escrow closing. There's no crying in baseball! That's right, Tom. Right, Mr. Hanks, always good. That was good. I like that. This little device is going to do
1: wonders for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, great that they came to a resolution, which they usually, like, how many times have we seen this in the past couple of years where it's this buildup of, oh, the government's going to shut down, and right. sure enough, after a little bit of pain, they figure it out. Um, so I don't know. That's just my, my general comment on it. But, um, yeah, I guess it should be, you should be cognizant of the fact that if you are in escrow right now with an FHA mortgage, you're probably
0: going to see a little bit of a delay because no one has been working on it for the last three days. I'm just guessing.
1: Could be. So I, really that's my main take yeah. away on it. Um, I think the details, they seem to work those out Yeah. and always try to scare us on the, on the way there, but. Eh. It, it's kind of is what it is. It
0: is what it is. But it's over, and uh, we'll see what happens come February. But I like
1: the takeaway for you know our viewers or those in the industry. Just know that you can prep your clients, or if you're a client yourself, know that, hey, you might need to make arrangements. Yeah, to don't have get a few extra days in escrow. Yeah, don't get the U-Haul just yet. Yes. So, all right, loan limits. Yeah, this, I, this was exciting. Absolutely. I, I remember I was up in... Deleuze driving down. I just got cell service in one of the. I think yeah, I got a. That, te- that'll happen up there. Text message from an <laughs> a, a lender, and they said, you know, loan limits going up, and I had to kind of double take, like, "Are you?" Yes, you know, like, really excited, because yeah, for me that's exciting. It just means that it helps buyers out. It gives them a little more headroom on price. It helps sellers out because it makes it easier for buyers to buy homes. So the way I took it as. Um, when I got the news was that it, this isn't a guarantee that homes are going to go up in price, but it certainly helps. Absolutely, It's not a headwind. It's a tailwind for us to help us push us along. So to say that another way, it's not like it hurts the market at all. If anything, it helps for prices to increase a little bit. And it, ironically, it's a 7% increase. So we talked about that single digit growth. Mm-hmm. Um, my take on it is it's just a it's a checkbox in the positive category for real estate prices.
0: no, absolutely it's just, it's, it's something that uh, it's better than the opposite when they, when they lower them
1: Yes, that's obviously
0: scary that's yeah that that has a ripple effect that uh that none of us like and it doesn't I've never seen it where it's helped our industry. This
1: only can help our industry I so. agree, I agree. so great news. I think that's great news. If you're looking to buy or sell, it's just it's kind of like greases the the industry yeah. a little bit. Good, for good us. Good way to put it. Like you're going to the nightclub, sometimes you got to grease the bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> when you look like this, you got to grease the bouncer. And you're not a tough
0: guy, you know. Yeah. You got to
1: slap him a twenty or a
0: Benjamin. <laughs> I don't know what kind of club would you, would you get into for twenty bucks. <laughs>
1: I'm going to just not talk about oh that. Oh, boy, Kale. You just opened a can of worms. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving right along. Man, rates going up. Looks yeah. Like rates going up.
0: That's, uh, that's interesting. Um, you have a video on it. Or did you want to get in that right away? Or I mean, there's, but I, I saw something earlier today. Um, they're still great historically. And, and if Toby's still out there watching, um, 4.1% almost across the board still. And I guess the, the volatility is still low. Uh, the factors that are contributing to the upward pressure for rates are, you know, we got a great job market. Unemployment is at a, a, a low. I don't know if I can dare say historic low and be accurate, but the job market is solid. Um, inflation, I guess, everywhere except Western metropolitan areas is, is steady. Um, and so anytime inflation is low, there's a uh, inversely proportionate effect on pressure for interest rates to go up, but we're not quite seeing that
1: still. So the video, and first of all, I want to say um, to those of you that just came on, thank you for checking it out. What's up, Andre, Cam? See you guys. Um, there's a There's a website out there called tastytrade.com. This is totally off topic, but kind of relates back to this. Tasty Trade is a... It's put on by this guy, Tom Sosnoff, who he invented Thinkorswim, for those of you that are traders, and he um, sold that to, to TD Ameritrade. Long story short, he hosts a show called Tasty Trade online, and they go through all kinds of things, futures trading, options trading, but they talk about things like yield curve. And what, their take, they had a segment on it the, the other day, and their take was interesting, is that, yes, Fed funds rate has been increasing why is the 30-year interest rate not increasing at the same speed? Right. And then they talked about the yield curve. And so what they said is that the short-term interest rates, the three-year note, the five-year note, seven-year note, have been increasing. The 30-year fixed has stayed a little bit compressed. So they were actually making a play on it, like, okay, we're going to essentially buy 30-year and sell short-term, because we think that that yield curve will correct itself. But what I kind of got out of that was, well, I'll tell you what I got out of that when we come back from the second. Right after the break. (laughs) We're back we are back uh so we wanted to go to a uh, we had a cliffhanger our cliffhanger was we were talking about um interest rate compression but before we get to that cam had a question about the f- or a, c- a comment really common idea i'm gonna at i'm gonna respond anyways yeah he threw it out there want me to go ahead and, and i was thinking about the same thing the other day cam and what i can come up with really is that this is just an example of the middle class kind of shrinking. I, is the only thing I can think about that. Meaning inventory is getting so low. There's so many people on earth now. Home prices are going up. It's getting more difficult to buy a house. And the thought, the random thought I had yesterday, and I'm getting really like out there on this, but was that, you know, as if wages don't really increase and it gets more difficult for them to increase the more people that we have, I, I believe. But if, if the average wages don't increase and housing prices keep going up, we're creating a divide. And it really, it, we may see a point in time where if you to own property in our area, Southern California, you may have to be upper middle class or upper class. It may not be attainable, for those unless we solve some of the problems that we have now, like building affordable housing.
0: Well, and then you've had the uh, state legislature take action to that. They've created the fund through the new recording fee, the $75 recording fee towards that end. What impact, if any, ultimately that'll have. And Robert, does that mic uh, comment, is my mic now sounding better? I may have been me not having it in position, but so I apologize, but thank you for that. That heads up. Um, but, Beyond that, you know, the middle class question is something that uh, the affordability of housing in Southern California, specifically in the inland Empire too i'm a, I'm a little bit concerned that one of the remedies for that may be the reintroduction of some of these loan programs that we saw. 2003 through 2007 that kind of got us in trouble. I'm, that's a concern because the market may try to fix that and make it to where the inaffordability becomes affordable again through mortgage programs that are, well, we've, we've addressed them quite a bit on this podcast. That's a concern of mine because that ultimately, if not handled properly, can lead to big trouble. And we saw it, and I don't want to repeat that.
1: Right. I mean, that's certainly a solution is to throw cheap alternative mortgage products at it to have more people own homes. But we saw how that turned out. Didn't work out well. Not at so all. it's a great question, Cam. I, I agree, I think, or Cromit or whatever it was. But I, I agree that um, it's certainly a problem, and it's certainly not going away, and it's only going to compound over time right. is, is my thought. So what was our cliffhanger? I, I forgot what the cliffhanger was at this point. So well, we were talking about rates going up. Oh, we are talking about the the compression and how they were betting on it, long-term rates going up, right. and short-term rates perhaps coming down, or at least the spread between the two increasing.
0: Don't have an answer. I'm not an economist, and I, I, you know, the whole interest rate thing is never... Uh, never fully understood because we've expected rates to be much higher for mortgages than they are right now. And that whole yield spread and the, and the throwing the money into the long term, the 30-year, I don't get how that works. And maybe we should bring somebody on at some point on the podcast that can address that more in layman's terms because I think most people out there don't really understand the full dynamics that cause it because everybody I've ever talked to in the last two and a half years about it doesn't know why we're still at 4%. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess what you could say to sum it up is the long-term rates are artificially being held down still probably. And how long can that continue? Like at some point it has to release, right? You can't, they can't stay compressed forever. No. So that was kind of the argument of, of uh, tasty trade in that video.
0: And then that ties into what, what, uh the question was, and indirectly anyways, because then that's when they may make the affordability issue, uh, address it anyways by these introduction of these products again that right. well, we don't want necessarily. So, But the one thing that's affected our market as we segue, low inventory, Kale.
1: It's not going away. So to put some context around it, as Gene explained at that meeting, again, to go back to Gene Wunderlich, who has some great stats locally uh, and really nationally, but he focuses on our local stats here. If you're not a part of his newsletter, I would I, I would suggest you reach out to Gene Wunderlich and get on that. But um, I'm going to paraphrase Gene, so Gene, don't hurt me if I'm wrong. <laughs> But Gene was saying that by definition, or to put some context around it, nor a normal housing supply, which means how many homes are for sale versus how many buyers are willing to buy them at this moment? Works. Fair to say? Works for me. Okay. The normal healthy supply is about six months. Right now we have about a 1.2. Just over a month, yeah, supply. 1.2 month supply, meaning in our market, in it, our market locally. So for, for every home that comes on the market, there's a lot of people gunning for that house. And then another really interesting comment that resonated with me is when he's split out your median priced house versus luxury real estate. And really in our area, I would say luxury real estate in Temecula easily I, seven, seven, 750, we start getting into that luxury real estate. Some would argue it's a lower price, some might argue higher. But the bottom line is that the people that can afford luxury real estate in our market is a small percentage of the overall buyer population.
0: Well, to put that in perspective, you look at a three-bedroom, two-bath house in Downey, California, <laughs> that's gonna cost you six fifty. And you know, 700,000, you got a three-car garage. Here's Johnny.: Yeah, there you go. So $700, 750,000 dollars here is, you know, Morgan Hill, places like that, Los ranchitos. So there's, there's, that's the perspective that has to be made, because yeah, down in the city, location, Orange County, 650 is a meh, meh kind of house.
1: Right. Yeah. Agreed. So. But the pay's different, too. I mean, you, you can go to Irvine. There are a lot of really high-paid jobs in Irvine versus here locally. We're all commuting out. I used to when I, before I was in the real estate industry. I had to commute out Likewise. to find work. Right. Um, so at any rate, to get back to it, what he was saying is that at any given snapshot, if we look at how many buyers are out there in our marketplace... Or reversely, let's talk about sellers. If we look at how many sellers are out there, there's a decent amount of luxury real estate on the market because they stay on the market for a while. So that 1.2 month supply may be skewed to look healthier than it is. It may be less than one month supply of median priced homes or the bread the butter,
0: what sells. Right. You know, your three and four bedroom. 385, the 485, somewhere in that range, those prices that make up the bread and butter of what sells, being skewed by some of those that take
1: six, nine months. Agreed. And that was a really good takeaway for me because it's like, okay, if I'm going out on a listing appointment and it's a $1.2 million property in Wine Country, I really have to be careful about talking about how hot the market is because the fact of the matter is there's a small percentage of buyers vying for a 1.2 million dollar property in Temecula. There are a lot of buyers going after a 400 or 500 thousand dollar tract home in Temecula. Right. It's a very very different story. And so it was just nice to put some stats and some context around that. And then the reasons for
0: that, you know, everyone always wonders and you hear different scenarios, but one of the things that I've heard Gene say consistently over time is you know our home builders—they're just not building the number of homes necessary to keep up with population growth. Correct. And why is that? And I did a little digging around, and you know, cost of materials being one, um, and this is nationally cost of materials and labor shortage in 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 the home construction business, business, which which seems odd to me. It seems like there was you know when when I when I came out of high school many moons ago. <laughs> You know, it's like go Tigers, yeah. Elsinore Tigers, (laughs) anyways. No disrespect, but that being said, you know, construction was a cool job, and people wanted to do construction and and it paid well, but that's not necessarily the case anymore. And there's a lot of reasons for that that I'm not going to get into, but those are nationally two of the most common reasons cited for. Uh, a co- contributing factors, anyways, to the slow housing starts. But then also, I got to say, locally, when we look at it, and, and I'll hear different uh, versions of this depending on who I talk to, but it seems like a lot of these municipalities and the counties are making the permit process and some of the requirements for the builders cost prohibitive and very cumbersome. It's not. It's I see dead people. <laughs> Well, okay, then. (laughs) These are new houses that probably don't have to deal with that so much. But anyways, um, yeah, it's just very hard for builders to build compared to how it used to be.
1: Right. And if permitting is just such a big cost here. I heard a stat that if you're going to build a new house in Riverside County, it's about $70,000, give or take, in permits. Before you grade the pad. Right. Wow. So there you go. So it's... And it really does tie back to what Cam was talking about earlier. Like there is this underlying theme of there's a lot of demand for homes, but there's a lot of people that can't afford homes at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so it's really an interesting, an interesting dynamic, and it's a tough problem, but we've got to face it in some way. Not,
0: not a yin and yang situation. It's, there's an imbalance.
1: There is an imbalance. Right.
0: You know, another, another contributing factor, I think, is the fact that when you when you look at the, the stats and the data, there are a lot of homes that otherwise would have sold by now that are owned by investors or, who was it we said on that podcast, Black, uh, black Rock, Black Stone, Black yes. hedge funds or, or investors of that nature, institutional investors, and a lot of these homes that, would have otherwise sold in a normal turn time of five to seven years instead of being sold or being held on because they're cash flowing as rental properties yes. right now. And a, a stat that I found that I, I thought was very interesting and I couldn't find any data to, to parse it down to our level, but 8.4 million more rentals compared to prior to the crash and, only, and 1.5 less owner-occupied
1: certainly is a problem and i think we'll have to talk more about that on the next podcast what do you think i think it's a good idea
0: been a good show kill excellent
1: thank you carl check us out on itunes and email us at radical real podcast at gmail.com that's radical real gmail.com thank you for watching on facebook live peace out